Dave Fanning on 2FM. Now, let's see, where are we? Um, Academy Award winner Kate Blanchett. She plays imposing orchestral conductor Lydia Tarr in the much-talked-about psychological drama called Tarr. The art of conducting plays a major role throughout the movie and Kate, Blanch- uh, Kate Blanchett's performance, it's fantastic, actually. She's a female maestro and it's so far won her a Best Actress Golden Globe, a BAFTA, SAG nomination, etc. She's going to win the Oscar, I'm pretty sure of that too. But is she convincing? Is her performance that good as a prolific conductor at the height of her career? And what does the movie tell us about the role of the conductor in an orchestra? Well, David Brophy is here at the moment. Former principal conductor of the Orty Conductor. <laughs> Still works with them all the time. But basically these days, he's basically Dave. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, is it a Hollywood fictionalisation, if there's such a word? Um, so David Brophy, conductor, definitely is what you do. You saw the movie, by the way, last night. What do you think of it? Uh, I enjoyed it, yeah. I really Ooh. liked it actually. No, I did enjoy it. Enjoyed. A lot. Yeah. Go no, on. I did. Although it doesn't um how do you say it doesn't draw all the pictures. I think it, it, it merits a bit of chat afterwards and a bit of reflection on what, what goes on because it's kind of multi layered and quite complex. I was actually walking out of the cinema in Rathmines last night, and this woman in her I don't know, she's in her early seventies and she asked a fella beside me, uh, what was that film about? <laughs> she and she really like she really didn't it was clear she didn't get it, and a few people walked out. I think they didn't. I think they didn't get it either, you know. Right. And it actually, like, it doesn't shy away from technical stuff. Like, you know, she does talk about like MTT. Who most people won't know who MTT is. But he's Michael Tilson Thomas. He's known as MTT. He's a conduct American conductor. That's a disease. And yeah, <laughs> MTT. You can get a cream for that <laughs> yeah, in her yeah. tablets. MTT. And, uh, yeah, and so she mentioned, and so she does use like really, you know, what I would call classical music in jargon that's like real, you know. Uh, but I, I'm not sure it's really about conducting. I think, as Kate Blanchard herself says, it's about power. Uh, yeah, it's about power. It really is. No question. I was just about to say that. That's taking my next question out of the way. Isn't it about power? Um, okay, so she is kind of the first female chief conductor of the world's top orchestra, Berlin. Isn't that it? Yeah, well, um, yeah, I suppose that's what she's. Uh, that's what the film suggests. Yeah. And she, you know, a lot of this, the and orchestra scenes are, are filmed in the Philharmonie in Berlin. And, and Herbert von Karajan would have been that in a previous life. He was, he? he was music director of the Berlin Philharmonic. Now, yeah. that wasn't the Berlin Philharmonic she was in front of. I oh, think that was a right. Dresden orchestra. That was, I saw in the credits afterwards. Uh, although it gives the impression of what it is the Berlin Philharmonic, but it wasn't. And uh, so, yeah, she, she's, she's obviously reached the height of her art in Paris. And you can see at the beginning of the film, like she... She has all these LPs all over the floor and you've got the old LPs. You've got Leonard Bernstein and Herbert von Karen, as you mentioned, yeah. uh, and Toscanini and all sorts of great conductors of the past who she obviously modelled herself on. And I suppose when you look back at old conductors, they would have been, yeah, kind of like autocratic, dictatorial type guys, you know, and she modelled herself in that way. But I kind of felt nowadays that doesn't really happen, I don't think. I mean, you can't, like it, some of the things she did in front of the orchestra I saw in the film if you did that in front of a professional auction nowadays there would be kind of they'd be looking at her they, they wouldn't put up with it and I, she does allude to this in, in the master class she gives at Juilliard at one stage she talks about forms that orchestras fill in like orchestras are quite democratic organisations and they, they management give them forms where they assess the conductors they've seen over the past six months or a year and so if you if you're not really on the on it and you don't deliver for the orchestra for the players and make and help them because you're there as a facilitator if you don't facilitate them playing well you just don't get asked but but by like by this stage of her career by the beginning of the movie she's kind of seems to be above it all she's, she's like, very established she's narcissistic that, she's, she's grandiose <laughs> she doesn't really yeah, care yeah. she doesn't you yeah. know she's much more important she is than sort of nurturing emerging talent on any level at all and if it doesn't really fit in with exactly her definition of it as you say in that scene she belittles whoever it happens to be I thought that was all. I thought that was quite old-fashioned. Because I thought that, like, I thought that was like you would never have an interview with a conductor 
the way like well, modern yeah. the way it was there. Obviously, it's a film, it's dramatization. I get yeah. all that, you know. Yeah. But uh, so I think it's like nowadays, like that might have been the interview you might have had with a conductor like years ago. There would have been debates right. about. I remember there was a big debate. I think about how to conduct the opening of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, and it was like there was two different ways you could do the Toscanini way, which is very rhythmic, or you could do it like Wilhelm Furtwängler, which was kind of very atmospheric, you know. So you would never have those debates nowadays. That would never ever happen, like you know. So I kind of thought that interview was kind of a bit old fashioned. That interview would never happen. That okay, but the fact that she kind of supposedly belittles the student, like in my attitude, that is, which is completely wrong, is that tough, tough look. <laughs> Get on with it, Sonny. You say a different word to look there. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, well, like, I, I'm, like, I'm, I'm, here, I'm Lydia. Well, I'll give, you, I'll give you my example of that. I went when I was 22, I'd say, I went to a conductor's course in England with um, a guy called George Hurst, and my very first conducting lesson was so bad he actually wouldn't teach me. He turned to Bobby Hoolan, who was an Irish conductor who was on the panel, and he said, Bobby, you're Irish, you teach this guy. He wouldn't even teach me, it was that bad. And I had, hadn't a clue, I was dreadful at it. Like, it was my first time in front of an orchestra. And at the end of the course, and there was people from all over the world in this course, and there was lots of English people, but quite a few, dare I say, uh, Oxbridge types, right. if that's the way I could yeah. stereotype them. They kind, of, they kind of complained about the beginning of the course. The beginning of the course, getting in front of George Horst to conduct was quite stressful. And I was hanging out with a couple of Danish lads who travelled for the course and we kind of said, well, actually, if you can't cope with what you're getting here, you have no business being in front of an orchestra because you're going to get 10 times worse than an orchestra, you know? Yeah. So in many ways, that kind of training, you know, it's yeah. not, like it comes across as being quite a civilised place, you know, and it is on many levels, but the players expect a lot from you to deliver. If you don't deliver for them, they can't play it and it's very frustrating for them, you know, if they... Like yeah. a conducting course. Um, yeah, I know. How long does that last? So and how many hours a day? And how many weeks? Well, we did. I, I went for it. Was two week course, and um, we would do start at nine in the morning with like kind of movement exercise, kind of equivalent to conducting tai chi or something on a lawn. Uh, we outdoors. It was in the summer. It was we had a great time. And then you'd you'd work till about seven o'clock in the evening, and then everyone would eat together, and then we'd go to the bar and probably talk about conductors. Like really kind of sad actually. We think about it, kind of anarchy, you know. Um, and then you and then you could go and like I was I thought about studying um, uh, overseas, but I kind of stayed here and I kind of went. Well, you can learn a lot on the job, and it's one of those things, one of those gigs where you learn on the job. Which means that it's quite difficult. Do you mean that you watch a gig by somebody else doing it, or do you mean yes, you, you, you observe it a lot? And right. I was lucky enough to play with the National Symphony Orchestra and the RT Concert Orchestra as a pianist, uh, like it, within the orchestra for a number of years. So you see conductors come through, and you kind of get a sense of what works and what doesn't work, you know. Yeah. So it's, you kind of learn that way, and you you can't. It's not like you do like it's not like your like your driver's test. <laughs> you get lessons for a while, and you do your test, and you pass. You know, it's not like that. And I would say, like I'm kind of it's 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 one of those things you go into, and it's lifelong learning. Oh, I'd listen, I mean, it's like any band that I come yeah. across. You can spend two weeks in a rehearsal room, yeah. spend 20 minutes in front of an audience yes. in a pub. Yeah. That's worth two That's weeks. That's worth two weeks, yes. In terms of, you'll, you'll, you'll all get yourself together as best you can. But um, just tell me then, what do you think? Like, I mean, okay, you saw the movie, you thought it was very good in so many ways, but, um, you know, does the film suggest that people who are unstable become conductors? I mean, you, you've, got <laughs> yeah, have, the, you've got to have some drama in the thing. Any time yeah. ever seen a rock movie, they've always <laughs> sprawled I out that to you, in a drug-induced madness and yeah, then dragged up onto the stage. Yeah, it's comparing to Spinal Tap at one stage. Uh, uh, Funny enough, I saw Spinal Tap last week. It was yeah, on the telly. Yeah, I'd, I, I'd forgotten lots. Yeah, and so I, 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 yeah. For me, I was one big question was I don't know what the film suggests that like potentially unhinged, unhinged people go into conducting, or if you become a conductor, do you become unhinged? Right. So it's a, kind of a chicken and egg question. I had what that was the, my first impression leaving the film. But she was around. unhinged, but Mark Strong wasn't. No, his character, you know, no, it's not like they're, they're not saying everybody's unhinged. No, but she was. But like from the beginning, she's popping pills. 
Like yeah. not, I'm not spoiling anything here, you know. And no. she's she's quite superstitious, you know. And she hears all these sounds in the in the apartment. Yeah, house explain me you know, to that like, exactly. So. What's all that necessarily? Well, yeah, what's the guy? The, the, one of the guys she has dinner with. He kind of says, uh, "Was it Schopenhauer maintained that the the, he, the intelligence of a human being could be uh, derived from how sensitive they are to sound?" Right. And you are quite sensitive. To sound like she, he hear bell, and I would hear like an alarm or something, and you'd yeah. hear, you'd know the pitch it would be. So you're sure. not normal. Like, oh, no, no, <laughs> if you become musician, it's yeah. not. You're not a normal person. Like, you know, you do become a bit weird. You know. But I was kind of curious. You know, I kinda, then I started saying to myself, "Well, am I weird? Is there something like? I mean, you know, you, you do. I, I come in and say, am I, am I like that? So you know, a two week course to confirm it. Well, <laughs> no, but you know, when you well, when you start out conducting, you haven't a clue what you're doing. You're in front of an orchestra. Like when I started working with professional orchestras in my late twenties. Um, you start you you you've an acute sense that everyone in front of you knows more than you. So if you she can she's recording Mahler Five Fifth Symphony in the in the in the film. Yeah. But if you're doing Mahler Five for the first time, you've got people in front of you who've played it twenty times, thirty times, forty times. They know it better than you do because they've played it so often. So you are in a really compromising position when you start out, and you kind of go, I have to pretend I know. I'm going to lead these people that and they actually know difficult. more than me yeah. and that's the that's the big conundrum in the yeah. beginning so you end up taking on behaviour traits and characteristics that are not really you and as I've sort of said before I teach uh, conducting in the master's course at TUD in the conservatory in Grange Gorman the hardest part about being a conductor is to be yourself and to be normal Okay hold on you're standing there with the baton, the baton. and um, yes. people are looking at you sorry the musicians are they following everything you do? Are they do they know what to do without you? Uh, they're First of all, the people in front of you are highly, highly skilled, and they, you know, they've all been trained you have to, to be. Have to say that in case some of them are listening. No, I don't know. Maybe they are listening, but um, they, but they are like really, really trained. Like if you look at like what what other profession, maybe apart from sportsmen and women, do you train from the age of six or seven? Yeah. Like if you're a fiddle player, you've probably been playing the fiddle since you were six or seven. You know. Yeah. And then you give it twenty years, and then you want to become a musician. You go into an orchestra, and then you get to an orchestra, and you realize, hold on, for the rest of my life. There's going to be some lunatic with, a, as you say, the white stick, the baton on the box, and they're going to tell me how fast, how slow, how loud, how soft, how long, how short for the rest of my life. So they give up a lot to be in the orchestra. They give up all of their what they've been trained to do is to kind of think independently and be expressive with their instrument. They give up all that when they go into the place. So it's not they 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 do know exactly what you're doing and they do see everything you're doing, but they're also looking at music. And also, if you like, you you take like a band, they go on tour for six months, they play the same set more or less for six months. Uh, orchestral musicians play different music every week and they generally have one day two day rehearsal to, to, to rehearse a two or three hour programme so like and that the turnover of repertoire the stuff they play new music every single week so the concentration they need so they are aware of what you do but they're also you know their eyes are glued to the parts and people say to me well, why don't the orchestra smile people say you know Andre Ryu and his orchestra you know yeah. so, oh they're all smiling they're having great fun and why doesn't your orchestra well Andre Ryu's orchestra are playing the same repertoire for six months they're on tour doing that you know whereas every other orchestra is playing different repertoire every week they're concentrating like lunatics it's such a difficult thing and it's like our currency is like she alludes to this um, Kate Blanchett in the film her, her, her character Lydia Tarr that you know the different you know her currency is time and our currency is nanoseconds like if you lift your hand to give a downbeat and you put the stick down and it doesn't quite land the place that the players expected to land it's not together and if it's not together it sounds like muck but if it is together, it sounds great. So the, the 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 difference between real success and then absolute failure sounding dreadful is nanoseconds. And that's our currency. And you've got like, it's, it's such a precise thing to get a group of violins to play exactly together. At the same time, it's so, so difficult to do. Yet we do it and we make it look easy. But that creates a tension in rehearsal. And they do, so they do see what everything you're doing. Uh, but there are times in rehearsal when you kind of go, I've done rehearsals where 
I'm, I'm, we're getting close to the concert. I'm going, God, this was better the first day. It was better. Be, they, they were better on their own before I got my hands in it. You know, and that happens sometimes. You kind of go, I'm going to get out of the way here. I'm making it worse. <laughs> you know, and so that awareness of what you do, you, you're not always in control. And there's, there's times when you, it's times when you kind of maybe let the orchestra, they, they get their own momentum themselves or they create something themselves as a body because they're all listening and, and assessing what's going on. And they can do a lot on their own. So it's, 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 I suppose it's like trying to judge. It's like spinning plates or something, you know, like you're trying to, you know, keep all the plates going. And then how can we get to the point where it all just goes on its own and it's, I don't have to be dictating everything, you know. So in terms I'm, of I'm what you might do with one hand at yes. any stage, you're trying to tell me that if, if I look at a stage, every single person on that stage, the person that needs the absolute bullseye of precision the whole way is not your woman there or your man over there. It's you. Yeah, and if I'm like, if the stick comes down the wrong place or yeah, slightly, or me, slightly layered, they yeah. know, they know immediately and it's not together or somebody because how they read it. And then sometimes maybe you do put the stick down and you give it a gesture that's not quite as like, like doesn't look like a click, but it, like, like a, like a drumstick hitting a drum. But you give a gesture that's more spongy and a bit less defined and they make a different sound. So you, like I was looking at what Kate Blanchett did with the orchestra. And some of the gestures didn't really match, I would say, the sounds the orchestra made, you know. And I'd say if she did some of the things in front of a, like in a real life context, it mightn't work. I don't know. But um, but she, I thought she was convincing all the way, through, like very, very convincing. I mean, one of the things about it is, is that like, it's like Michael Jackson or something about like taking the art away from the person kind of thing. Like, you know, you're never going to hear Gary Glitter's song on the radio anymore, you know, it's a, even <laughs> though he had loads of number ones. In her case, has she reached that point? It's kind of, yeah, because like, it's I I I was talking to a friend of mine who went last night. We were talking about it afterwards, and was saying like, you know, it could have been it could have been about a football team, the manager of a football team, or yeah. it could have been about like, have you seen that film about Brian Clough? You know, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. like it could have been a bit like that about what power does to you, you know, or it could be like a the chief executive at a bank or something like that, you know, anybody who wields power, you know. Uh, but I think, and then how I was making the point that like, how do you define yourself? Do you find yourself in terms of your job? Or do you have your job and when you get off the podium, in this case, get off the podium, are you like just your normal self? And I think when you conduct, because music is kind of a, it's kind of an obsessive thing. It can be obsessive. And like when you're learning a score, like you can see you're there studying Mahler's Fifth Symphony. You get completely into, I've studied scores and you lose all sense of time and you just go to Well, she place. doesn't become herself because like, I mean, her best friend is, oh, sorry, the, the, like her lover is in the, is, is in the orchestra and her, 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 her what do you call it, her, her PA and she does not treat them very well. She after treats she, her, yeah, her assistant conductor, her PA, both, Rebecca, is treated concerned. really, really yeah. badly, you know. Yeah. But I think, I thought it was interesting as well, well in the film that like it kind of looked, it, it made me question what the role of management is in an orchestra when you've got someone like her or any any conductor who's more dictatorial, you know, where are the checks and balances, you know, because she behaved in ways that, you know, you kind of go, that's a bit questionable, you know. Did anyone pull her up? No. And then maybe they pull her up. Like the social media aspect of it was interesting because yeah. I'm not, like most of us kind of look at what the bad aspects of social media is. But, you know, uh, to use a phrase my dad, my dad would use, social media kind of put manners on you. <laughs> and put manners on her in a weird way because she had to be kind of, at the end of the day, now I know that, that video that was released in the film was doctored of her giving the, the class and I'm not giving too much away no. in Juilliard but um, but she is revealed through social media and I mean I was in a rehearsal yesterday yeah. uh, in Grange Gorman TUD and somebody came in on a mobile phone and started recording and you just you're always being recorded so that notion of you being able to do things that were in the privacy of a space that they wouldn't they wouldn't you know that would, people wouldn't know about that's all gone and I kind of said well that's maybe that's one of the good sides of social media potentially 
Yeah, don't know about that necessarily. I mean, what, what was the movie? I'm trying to think of. The, was it Whiplash? The the drumming yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. I, saw yeah. That as well, I yeah. mean, like, 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 if that guy had been had been uh, filmed, like, you know, the people would just be given out. Like, I mean, she didn't do. She just belittled the guy in terms of I know more than you do, kind of thing. And you, you what? You don't like Beethoven because of what? We're talking yeah, about the music was, here. Yeah, so he I mean, had a problem with Bach. A Bach, whatever. Because it was, yeah. uh, because he was I don't know Bach had twenty kids or something, you know, which Bach mm. did have twenty kids. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure that really rang through. You know, got into Bach's music. It's is set in stone, and that's how we see him. And he got away with it. There was no, if you like, there was there was no social media, if you like, you know. <laughs> I mean, all, all, all we have is the music. His legacy is the music, no matter what it is that is revealed. Yeah. And this guy feels things have been revealed. Yeah. Like I'm sorry, Snowflake. Get on with it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, well, and the thing is, what well, struck me. <laughs> Well, like that, all those conversations and all the kind of, for want to better term, navel gazing that was quite a bit around what she does, and and also the assumption that like Mahler Five is high art, and then at the end of the film. You know, I don't want to give it away, but yeah. she's with a very different orchestra at the end yeah. of the film, doing a very different type of program. Yeah. So there was a kind of a commentary on high and low art as well, which I kind of thought to myself, well, hold on, well, do you really think film film music is is like maybe not so high art as as Mahler Five? You know, and there's an argument in there for and against, probably. You know. Okay, well then let's but, try it this way. I mean, considering she is the best in the world in this, and more or less anyway, whatever yes. it happens to be, um, do you have to have? Do you think even even if you're only second best, David, do you have to have <laughs> a bit of an ego to be a to, to be a conductor, you have to have an ego. You have to have, work you have to have an ego to get out of bed. Yeah, all right, yeah you do. You much. have to get up and do something more. You have to have an ego, a sense of yourself and your own importance. You have to have that. Yeah, but I think if you're gonna, like, if you're gonna become, if you're gonna think you're gonna be in control of everything, you're gonna hide into nothing. But as you said earlier on, you have to have an ego, surely, because you're gonna get up on that stage, and yeah. the person who might know the music less than anybody else on the stage is you. Yes, and yet you're at in the charge. beginning. Yeah, well, I mean, English conductor John Elliot Gardner, he maintained that, like, if you're if you're a conductor, if anywhere between the age, like, you know, of thirty or 70 you're in trouble because if you're really young they'll, they'll, they'll kind of give you yeah. the, the benefit of the doubt if you're really old and doddery they kind of be, give you the benefit of the doubt but even in the middle they, they can't stand you you know what I mean so I think that's quite a good way of looking at it you know so Okay the audience at your back all the sort of people playing their instruments at your front um, is it scary? I mean like is there such a thing as one thing is more scary than the other? I, I, Damn sure the orchestra is more scary than the audience Yeah I, uh, no I don't think it's fear I don't think it's, for me not fear anyway they show her Cape Blanchard a very close tight shot on her at the beginning and she's doing this kind of these nasal breathing exercises and she's she has all these physical tics where she you know she brushes her shoulders and magic yeah. tantrum and all that kind of thing and you can see she's on edge you know I don't know any conductor who prepares like that walking on stage I mean it just it just it seems weird to me you know and uh, and then well, everybody uh, has to, you know Nadal before he takes a shot yeah he's pulling at <coughs> himself 40 different times you know? <laughs> I don't know what that means <laughs> I can't say I know what that means he's, he's but, the guy the guy who come into your house and he, he, he straighten the painting on the wall <laughs> yeah so she's like she's got this way of getting out on stage, you know. Like, and I, I, but I don't know. I think I, I've never had that kind of nervousness or kind of tension. I don't think. Maybe that's weird. Maybe steel. I'm weird. No, maybe I'm just weird. I mean, I'm, maybe I shouldn't be like that. I don't know. I kind of feel quite relaxed going out on stage. And I think you know, if you can give that to the, so you want to you want to be there to facilitate the orchestra to play well. I think. And if if you can, if they see you being relaxed, physically relaxed, they can relax themselves. And once they're relaxed, they can give so much. But I think if you so much tension in the room. I'm not sure that works. Okay, there, like there's obviously a thing like you mentioned earlier on, like they're doing this from the age of five, six, or seven, or whatever. Yeah, there. Do you think, in some ways, that at a certain age, quite young, that people actually think, maybe in their teens or something like that, that you know they might actually be a soloist? Yeah, well, that that comes up. You know, like you kind of. You know, you start you're scratching away at the fiddle when you're five and six, and your parents can't stand it, and uh, and then eventually you start playing in tune, maybe in your 
you know, when you're 10, 11 or 12 and then eventually you're a teenager and you're starting to play bigger repertoire and you get your, you know, your grade 6, grade 7, grade 8 violin, you know. And then you kind of go, well, maybe I can do this. Then you go to college and you do a degree and then you, you don't really play in the orchestra maybe because you're a soloist. You play outside the orchestra potentially. And then you get to your mid-20s and you kind of realise you've got to pay rent and blah, blah, blah. And then you kind of realise, oh, this is like a thousand Russian kids who can yeah. do this from the age of 10, yeah. you know. And so you kind of go, well, well how am I going to make this work? Then you go into an orchestra and then you realise you give up so much to go into the orchestra. And actually that kind of thing is not, I don't think that's fair on players. I don't think it's fair on musicians that they go through a certain training which is geared towards solo training and that there's not really a separate training that goes, or orchestral mm. training or even they're not even mm. told about it so much or how to prepare to play in an orchestra and not go crazy because it's really difficult to play in an orchestra. You don't, like, if you play in an orchestra you don't get up and just go to the loo in the middle of the matter five you, have, you wait for the break to happen and someone tells you when to go to the loo I mean it's I mean, I'm not going to equate it to Mount Joy it's not like prison but you, you you're, it's very regimented and the history of orchestras going back to the 16th, 17th, 18th century was that they were seen as as armies and they yeah. were kind of ex- they were cultural and, and extensions they're of They're happy of to armies, be in an know? orchestra. I mean, like when I say the solos thing, like there's never been an American senator who's looked in the mirror and didn't see a president looking back, you know? Really? Yeah. So like, I mean, like, that's what they want. So like they settled into this by their 20s or whatever and they're happy to be in an orchestra, yeah? Well, but, I, And they need to be led by somebody like you. Yeah, well, there's, a, there's that relationship. They need me and I need them because I can't, I mean, that was one thing that actually happened lockdown that um, I didn't, I lost everything for the first six months of lockdown and then I got work in Vienna and I hadn't conducted like in six months and I kind of went, well, can I still do this? And if you were an orchestral yeah. player, you had your violin at home, you could play, oh, or you yeah, could yeah, take yeah. out your album and play. I could do nothing. Like, yeah. I can't line up my teddies like they do in the film, you know, you and try, it. Do, you know, try it, you know, and get something <laughs> back. So you kind of go, you know, I, 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 it's just, I'm useless without them and they can play without me, but I think, you know, and our orchestras also, orchestras are expensive. Yeah. They'll pay 100 people for a yeah. three hour session yeah. and it, it mounts up, you know. So they want somebody that uh, I'm there to save time as well to make things quicker and efficient, make quick decisions and move on to the next piece. Okay, the Australian conductor Natalie Murray Beale uh, taught Blanchett how to conduct. Is it difficult? Is it a difficult task to actually teach someone how to conduct? It's, it's, it's one thing to be in the two weeks with lots of other people from around the place. Doing it. Like, can you imagine? Okay, we've got three weeks before we start shooting this movie. Get Kate ready for this stick. I yeah. was lucky, actually. I have done that job because for the film... Um, Florence about Florence Foster Jenkins. Oh yeah, starring Meryl, Meryl Streep and yeah. um, and Hugh Grant. Uh, I was booked by the British company to teach John Cavanagh, the great Irish really? actor, yeah, how to be Toscanini because he plays the part of Toscanini in the film. Yeah. Uh, I love that movie. I love that movie. Yeah, because yeah. famously Florence Foster Jenkins, she booked Toscanini who was yeah. like the preeminent cook at the time and paid him like ridiculous amount of well, money. Well, she had the money he, for everything. Yeah, yeah. And, he, yeah. and he put up with it though because like, she was dreadful. Yeah, like, as, you know. as did um, Hugh Grant, uh, the as, husband. Yeah, the, the husband, yeah. And uh, so they booked me because John is obviously based in Dublin and we booked me and I had to teach John how to conduct and I teach John how to conduct like Toscanini, you know, and he was fantastic. But you can't teach someone to conduct in three weeks, you know, or four weeks going yeah. to a shoot. And, but I, 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 the one thing I said to John Cavanagh, he was going to London to do the filming for the film and I said to him before I left, I said, Give, send me a text and let me know how it goes, you know. I said, I bet you all the orchestral players will say you're better than the real thing. I bet you they say that. And he, so, and he ends up, he texted me. He just, he just shot the scene. He I'm said, the greatest. All the orchestra players say you're better than the real thing. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Right, right. Um, so, yeah. 
So I, I, it's not easy to teach, and I teach on a kind of a, on the master's course at TU, the conservatoire in the, in Grange Gorman. So you're teaching students who want to go on and become conductors, you know. And like we do two year, the master's a two but year like, course, you know. At a certain it's very age, difficult. eight, nine, or ten, did you say, I know what I want to be? I want to be a conductor. No. He says, no, the bus doesn't go here anymore. No. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm not the, 40, about the, the 46, 46 day, off you go. Yeah. No, uh, no, I think it, like. Um, I sang in a choir when I was in uh, when I was in school, and I when I was probably in my mid-teens. Sometimes the conductor would go sick, and I would just take the rehearsal. And I just you kind of like I like making music in a group. That's what it is, you know. And there's there's no bigger group than an orchestra. And when they when they're at full tilt, it's the best place to be. Mm. It is the best place to be, and it's the biggest buzz. Uh, so one thing I didn't quite get in the film is that how much of a buzz it is to be in front of the orchestra when they're at full tilt and really going for it. It's such a, it's the best buzz. It is. I've like been there a few times. Thing. Yeah, I have to do some stuff on the stage from the concert. Uh, it's myself. such a sound. They really know, rock. They no, really no. and that and, and that. I think when people don't when you don't when you don't stand in front of an orchestra every day and you do for the first time in your life and you hear the sound coming at you, it's kind of overwhelming. When you think of like an orchestra. You got every single instrument in the orchestra and all the centuries and all the men and women who put all efforts into developing violins and, and trumpets and oboes and you put them all together and someone wrote all these notes that took ages, like thousands of notes in a score and they all play it together. Like it's it's thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people, all human ingenuity goes into putting an orchestra together and it's this miraculous sound comes at you. It overwhelms me. It still overwhelms me. And okay, by the way, we're talking to David Brophy. Just a few more bits and pieces and David, because um, you know, the movie Tar that's out at the moment that everybody's supposed to talking about in so many ways. Is this uh, going to win Kate Blanchett um, her Oscar? Without a doubt, she's going to win, right? I would imagine, yes. Yeah, no question. Okay, so um, your own thing. I mean, like you know, you're up there. You want to like you have to put your own stamp. I mean, you went back to Brian Clough earlier on. My God. So you know, how does a conductor make a piece of music their own, or do you have to stick strictly to what's on the page? Well, if you take the opening of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, which goes bum 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 bum, I says if you do that really slowly, if you go bum 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 bum, it's not really the piece anymore. You know, so you can't just do what you want. You can't do your own speed. And if you do it so fast where it can't be heard, you can't do that. So there's a kind of parameters in which you work. And also the stuff written on the page, the players are reading notes on the page. You can't, you know, deviate from the notes on the page. A lot of what, I mean, it's probably I wasn't taught this, but you're taught about how to, you know, move the baton and move your hand and give gestures and that. But I think maybe more in recent years, I've kind of think a bit more about well, what kind of sound is the orchestra making? You know, are they making a rich sound or is that, is that sound quite lean or is it quite a, kind of a sharp sound? So the sound the orchestra makes is like, and the sound that, that we heard in the film was quite a rich, you know, huge big sound oh, yeah. of an orchestra, you know. So orchestras make different sounds. You become tuned into it, you know. Uh, and then like, um, yeah, like I think t- like, so as it, as it goes on, you, d- you develop, it's like growing up. It's just, you, you get more mature and you kind of go, I'm looking for different things now. And so stuff I worried about years ago, now I don't worry about now at all so much. It changes. And then I'll be different in five years' time. Like, I'm still evolving. Okay, I'm just going to play a little piece of the movie now before one or two more bits. And did, did you um, get a sense, did you get a laugh out of that bit? I thought that bit was hilarious in the movie when the neighbours said, Look, could you tell us when you're, it tell us whatever time you're fantastic. not going to be making, especially the, 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 the word noise. <laughs> yeah. Like, when you're not making <laughs> noise, making any noise. chance you can tell us, I'm trying to sell a flash. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. It was <laughs> a great scene. And she has to really go, good. okay. Uh, uh, here, I'll just cool. give you a trailer. Tar. As a conductor, Tar began her career with the Cleveland Orchestra, Chicago Symphony Orchestra, the Boston Symphony Orchestra, until she had last arrived here at our own New York Philharmonic. In 2013, Berlin elected Tar as its principal conductor, and she's remained there ever since. Lydia Tarr has also written music for the stage and screen. She is one of only 15 EGOTs, meaning those who have won all four major entertainment awards. Thank you for 
joining us, Maestro. Thank you. Hey, give it another bit. Hold on. Look. Time is the thing. Time is the essential piece of interpretation. You cannot start without me. I start the clock. However, unlike a clock, sometimes my second hand stops, which means time stops. The reality is that it's not until I once again decide to raise that hand that time is allowed to continue marching along her very merry way. Tar is what it's called. Lydia Tar is the woman's name. And that's it. There is a famous... Um, I was reading about her. She's really annoyed because she says this is based on my life and how dare you is kind of thing, isn't it? Oh, this is Maren Alsop. Yeah, right. uh, Who's probably seen as the preeminent uh, female conductor. And uh, yeah, she's taken a bit of offence to it, you know. But I think, I mean, yeah, there's quite a number of things in the film that would you would kind of suggest that it might have been, you know... Um, modelled in some way on, on Marin Alsop's life you know but I think Kate Blanchett came back and said look this film is about power and I yeah. I, I agree with it absolutely Alright well listen we're going to leave it at that except for one last thing that scene you mentioned which I suppose is the big one when the, when the when the kid won't play or the younger person won't play or doesn't want to play or doesn't want to know about Baca or etc yes. um, do you not think she's dismissive in a kind of a challenging way I mean she's combative and all that but it's yes. not like, do you not think they could have got a bit more instead of walking out of the lecture yeah, well, I I don't know. I mean, I I, mean, I probably wouldn't approach things that way. I mean, I you know, she certainly gave her opinions in a very forthright and yeah. uh, pretty neck, strong so way. What? Yeah, she, pay, maybe she's earned it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, there's one thing you have to be you have to be tough to be in front of an orchestra because if you're in front of an orchestra, it's kind of weird because you're in this environment with loads of people around you, yet you're actually on your own. Right. That's how it feels when you're conducted. It's, it's kind of that yeah. dichotomy between being with loads of people. Well, actually, you're on your own. So look, when people, when, when if people go along to see something, when say, that's your man, David Brophy. Then where are you playing next? Where Where's your next, next gig? I'm actually in. I was rehearsing yesterday. <laughs> I'm in TUD Grange Gorman uh, in their new concert hall next Friday, next Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And we're performing an opera by English composer Jonathan Dove based on Mansfield Park. Oh, uh, right. And then I've got recording sessions the week after, and then I don't know when I've got my next concert. Maybe end of February. I've got some education stuff with the National Symphony Orchestra, and then March I've got I'm in Cork with the Cork Concert Orchestra, and then I'm in on Paddy's Day with the National Symphony Orchestra with Sean Davies' music in March, and so that's wow. the next few weeks. So, <laughs> oh, well, listen, David, thank you very much indeed. Pleasure, for Dave. In. David Brophy, it is of course. Good man, David. Thanks. Thanks Dave. Dave Fanning on Two FM.